Sometimes he seems so distant, so different. Is he even real? What if that transcendent, holy, glorious creator of the universe wanted to meet us? What if we could know him, not just know about him, but actually know him? Encountering God. A new series at Stapleton Church. January 2019. My daughter McKinley turned two yesterday. It was pretty exciting. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> exciting. Melissa and I were so exciting leading up to Christmas and her birthday this year. Um, because, she, yeah, she was one last year. She experienced her first Christmas. But this was the first time she really could kind of grasped things of what was going on. So all month leading up to Christmas and her birthday, we were explaining to her ahead of time what was going to happen, that there was going to be presents, she's going to open them, and, and that she's going to come down the stairs, and there's going to be toys in her stocking, and she's going to get to have fun, and there's going to be, you know, all this celebration. And we kept talking to her, and she would, like, nod, but she didn't get it. You know what I'm saying? She didn't get it because she hadn't experienced it, really. Yeah, maybe last year, but she was too young, right? But now she, she just didn't get it because she hadn't ever experienced it yet. But let me tell you this. She had fun. She had a great time, right? But I think we had a better time. I really do. You know, those of you who are parents and grandparents know that it's even more exciting to see your child celebrate and experience these things for the first time. To, to have that firsthand experience of these things is way better than talking about it, right? And to watch someone do that, it's awesome. So now that I'm a father and I see that, I realize that's how our Father in Heaven feels about us. That He's like, I want you to experience the goodness that I have for you. And especially in spiritual things, and especially when it comes to knowing me. He wants us to have not just secondhand experience. He doesn't want us to just hear about it himself from other people or read about God. He says, no, I want you to encounter and know me firsthand. And he wants to experience the joy that we get from knowing him. That's true. And I don't know if you know this, but God wants to be known. It's true. God wants to be known by us. It's so important because... If you look at the statistics in our country, that almost 90% of our country has some faith or some belief in God. Maybe a God or some divine being out there. They, they believe that there's something out there. They, they may not be religious or go to church or, or believe in maybe our God, but they believe that there's some God out there. So most people have some knowledge in their head that there is a God. But I think very few people have firsthand knowledge of God. They don't know him personally in a relationship. And that's what God wants from us. He wants for us. That's what I want for you. So in this series, in these 21 days, this year, I want you to have a first-hand encounter with God. No more second-hand God. Enough of that. I want you to know him personally. I want you to have a relationship with him and know him in a deep and true way because God wants to be known. So here's my challenge today, and you can take this not just for this message, but for the whole series, for the whole year, to know the God who knows you. Know the God who knows you. Because God knows all things. He is all-powerful. We're going to learn a lot about God in our series. But the most amazing thing that we're going to learn today is that you can know him. He wants you to know him. He wants you to have this personal relationship with him. Know the God who knows you. No more secondhand God. So we're going to, in this series, look at a lot of different encounters people had with God. 
first-hand encounters with God. And today we're going to start with a very famous encounter from Moses. So if you have a Bible, go ahead and open it up to Exodus chapter 3. You can follow along on your smartphone. I'll have the verses up on the screen. In this series, we, we won't necessarily go on through every verse in our passage, so you can read that on your own. We're going to have the, the main ones up on the screen here. And we're going to see these encounters, and in each encounter... We're going to learn more about God. We're going to have some knowledge about God, different aspects of who God is in each of the weeks in this series. But more than any of that, I hope that you have an encounter with God, that you would know him personally. Some of you have already had that. Some of you are hoping for something like that. I wish I could just have this encounter with God. Then I would believe in that God or, or, or know him truly. And that's what I'm praying for you, to seek that in this series, to know God personally. So let's start in Exodus chapter 3. We read, now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro. There the angel of the Lord, in verse 2, appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight. Why the bush does not burn up. So this is a pretty famous encounter. Maybe you were taught this in Sunday school going up, and I think it can kind of just become normal, but this is not normal. This is bizarre. Even Moses says it's a strange sight, because no other time in the Bible, and probably ever in human history, has God spoken from a bush. This is bizarre, and it's even more bizarre because the bush is burning, but it's not actually burning. It's the non-burning burning bush. This is weird. Moses knows it's weird. A lot, of us, a lot of times we read these stories in the Bible and we think, oh, back then people believed everything. No, they didn't. They were just like us. Do you know what C.S. Lewis called that? Chronological snobbery. We think we're so smart because we're in the 21st century. We're not, okay? Moses is like, this is strange. This is bizarre. How can there be a bush burning right there? So he goes to check it out. He goes to check it out. In verse 4 we read, When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. Moses said, here I am. The bush is talking to him. The burning bush that's not actually burning is now speaking. This is bizarre, strange. But somehow this bush knows Moses' name. And he says it twice, Moses, Moses, because as God is speaking out of the bush, he shows us that God knows Moses personally, just like he knows each one of us personally. He does. God knows our names. He knows everything about us. Jesus would later say in the Gospel of Luke that God even knows how many hairs you have on your head. You don't even know how many hairs you have on your head, but God does. He knows you. And this bush that was representing God knew Moses, everything about him, and he knows everything about us. And I think it's really interesting that, the, that God speaks here and he says, Moses, Moses, he says the name twice. Throughout the Bible, whenever you see this mentioned twice, a name mentioned twice, that was a, a, an act of intimacy. It was showing affection to a person. In the Bible, God would speak, Isaac, Isaac, Jacob, Jacob. When David's son died, he said, Absalom, Absalom. When Jesus spoke to Martha, he said, Martha, Martha. Or when Peter was about to be tempted, he said, Simon, Simon. See, those, when a name is mentioned twice, there's affection in the voice. There's love. And that's what God is saying to Moses. 
Moses, Moses, because God knows Moses personally and knows each one of us personally. He knows everything about us. He knows our character, our personality. He knows us just like we want to be known. We want other people to know things about us. That's why we like talking about ourselves, posting about ourselves. Because we want other people to know us, but God already knows all of that. He cares about us and he calls us by name. He says, Steve, Steve. He says, Adrian, Adrian. He speaks to us and he knows our names and he calls us like that. Melissa, Melissa. He knows us personally, he knows us intimately, and he speaks to us affectionately, calling our name. God knows us personally. But God knows even more than just who we are. In verse 5, we read, Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. Now, later on in the series, we're going to talk about this aspect of God's character, his holiness. But we know here that this God is so powerful that Moses can't even come closer. It can be at a safe distance. And he says, take off your sandals because as a sign of respect, you had to take off your dirty, filthy sandals. Because Moses was just this blue-collar dude, right? That's what it said. When we picked up this story at the beginning, it said Moses was tending his, the flock. He's out there tromping around with the an- animals in his Carhartt. He stinks. He's got filthy feet. He's a normal dude. What I think is really interesting is that at this point in the story, as far as we know, Moses has no relationship with God. He probably had heard about God, because he was a Hebrew, but we have no indication that he knew God at all. And here he comes to this mountain, he sees this burning bush that's not really burning. It starts talking to him, and he, when, when the bush tells him who he is, he's like, whoa, he hides his face. It's like, uh-oh. Uh-oh, what's going on? It's just this normal dude. I think it's interesting. It says it was his father-in-law's flock that he was guarding. So he wasn't even, didn't own his own business, right? He's a hired hand, basically, working for his father-in-law. But Moses is there, and God speaks to him. And in verse 7, it says, The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out, and I am concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them. So we just jumped right into this story, and, and maybe you know about what's going on, but God's people were in slavery in Egypt. That's where this story, Exodus, picks up. In our series in the fall, Overcome, that looked at the life of Joseph, things were good, well, they were bad, and they went to Egypt, all of God's people, the Hebrews, because they needed food to eat. And Pharaoh took them in, and it was good. But after some time, the pharaohs, the emperors of Egypt, became afraid of God's people because they were growing and multiplying and strong, so they enslaved them. They enslaved them, and they took away their property, in fact, made them property. They worked and toiled in filthy, terrible, awful conditions. And Moses was angry about that too. We'll get to that in a second. But God says, I've seen that. I know exactly what you and uh, all your people are going through. They're my people. I have heard them crying. I have seen their misery. I know their pain, he says. Here's the next thing about God. He knows us personally and he knows our pain. He knows our pain. He knows exactly what we're struggling with and going through. 
He knows our suffering. He knows our trials. He knows the addiction we're struggling with. He knows the relationship dynamics that you're worried about. He knows all the pain that you're carrying around. Those things that maybe happened to you years ago. The thing that you can't even tell a therapist without tears streaming down your face. He, he, he knows all about that. He knows it and he cares. And he's calling you by name. Out of love. God knows our pain. And he cares about us in that pain. He wants us to know that. But even more than knowing our pain, that God knows our past. In verse 10, God says, So now go. I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. I have a plan of salvation. I'm going to take the people out of slavery and into the freedom of the promised land. But then Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? This sounds great. Salvation. Freedom. Awesome. I love that you're going to free people out of the pain and bondage that they're struggling in, Moses says. But who am I? I think most of us, when we come to a story like this, when we think of Moses, we think of Charlton Heston. Holding the Ten Commandments, having his rod in his hand, striking the rock and water coming forth, calling down the plagues, crossing the Red Sea, this great leader, Moses. But do you know who Moses was at this point in the story? A murderer. He was a criminal. He was a bad dude. He was a convict and a fugitive. He was probably afraid. How, how do you know who I am? Who am I? Who can I? How could I do this? Because he knew his past. See, Moses had stumbled upon two of his own people, the Israelites, slaves, being beaten and abused by a slaveholder. And Moses, in anger, murdered that Egyptian. Tried to cover it up. A lot of us have tried to, even if we know that story, we've tried to cover it up and like, oh, he's just a freedom fighter. He was just passionate for justice. But that's wrong. That's terrible. That's evil to murder someone. This isn't an eye for an eye. He didn't just beat the guy up. He murdered someone for beating another person. And that's why Moses had to run for his life. That's why he's basically hiding out in the desert for 40 years. Because he had a past. He was a sinner. And God knew all that. He knew all that. He knew all the past that Moses was dealing with. And he still, still said, I'm choosing you. I'm sending you. That's an amazing thing about God is that he knows our past. He knows the things we've done the stupid things, the foolish things, the outright sinful things we've done. He knows about the things that we've done that we don't tell anybody else, even our therapist. He knows all of that. He knows even what we're going to do in the future, the bad things. And he still loves us and calls us by name. And he involves us in his purpose. Isn't that amazing? Saying, I'm going to make you the leader to help my salvation come to my people. God involves us in his purposes as well, even in our sin, even in our past, even in all the baggage that we bring to our stories. I love that. Uh, Melissa and I are coming up on 10 years of marriage here this June. 
And I remember, it was a distant memory, but I remember how terrible dating was, right? It was fun, dating was, but the, you, you'd be afraid because you'd share things with people when you're dating and you're afraid, what are they going to think? You don't know, when should I bring up this thing? When should I bring up this part of my past? You know what I'm talking about? Some of you are dating right now and you're like, yeah, I know exactly what you're saying. I remember one of my close friends who called me just a couple weeks before his wedding day. He said, Matt, I told my fiance about this thing that I did. She wants to call off our engagement. Because that's what happens with human beings, right? We get to know each other and we're like, oh, I don't know about that. I don't know about you anymore when we know your past. See, the thing is, God knows all that stuff. Just so you know, that, that couple, they, they, they're still married. They got married, they stayed married, things are going good for them. But they had to get over that hurdle, right? But that doesn't happen with God. It doesn't happen with God. And that's an amazing thing because God already knows all that stuff. He already knows all our past and all our baggage and sin. And he still loves us. In his great book, Knowing God, J.I. Packer wrote about this. He said, There is tremendous relief in knowing his love to me is utterly realistic based at every point on prior knowledge of the worst about me, so that no discovery can disillusion him about me in the same way I am so often disillusioned about myself. We even disillusion ourselves, let alone other people. And yet God knows all that. He knows exactly what you did. And he loves you. That's an amazing thing. And God is calling Moses here right there. And, and back in our passage when he said, Who am I? God says next in verse 12. And God said, I will be with you. I know exactly what you've done. I've called you. I'm going to be with you. And I will help you. Because he loves us. I love this part of the passage. I could probably stop right there. That would be a good message, wouldn't it? But I picked this passage because of what comes next. Because God isn't just revealing about himself here. He's not even just saying, hey, here's some things that I know about you, that I'm all-knowing and I know everything about you. But God goes on to reveal himself to Moses. Saying, I know you, but I want you to know me. And I want you to see this here in verse 13. Moses said to God, suppose I go to the Israelites and they ask me, what is his name? Then what shall I tell them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. Do you know what God's doing here? He's telling his name. You're like, what? Yeah, he's saying his name here. And it might seem strange, because it is strange. This word in English, it sounds weird. It's hard to translate, but it's even harder in Hebrew. Because God is basically using the verb to be. He's saying, I am. But he's saying it in ways that, that everything else that is, is dependent on me. I have no beginning. I have no end. I just am. You could also translate it as, he's the one who causes to be. So everything that exists originates from him. And what's really interesting is God gives it, it's kind of a longer form here, and then he shortens it with I am. But then he shortens it even further in verse 15. 
It says, God also said to Moses, say to the Israelites, the Lord, the God of your fathers, has sent me to you. This is my name forever. The name you shall call me from generation to generation. Whenever you see this word Lord here in your English Bible, it's capital L-O-R-D. That is God's name. It's not a title. It's his name. It's an even abbreviated, further abbreviated version of that verb to be. This is God's nickname even. If I am who I am is his fuller name, he's saying, my name Lord. And I want to explain this to you because I think, I don't love how our English versions do this. Because I want to explain for just a second what God is doing here. So whenever you see this, if we can look at the next slide, whenever you see the word Lord capitalized, capitalized, whenever just the first letter is capitalized and then a lowercase O-R-D, that's a different word. I'll explain that in a second. Whenever you see this, it's a Hebrew word that's four letters. You guys can all read that, right? If you were to transliterate that into English, it would be the consonants Y-H-W-H. Okay, so you've heard of this maybe, Jehovah. So some good meaning um, Hebrew scribes in about 600 years after Jesus died were afraid to say this name. Which I think is weird because God had just said, this is my name forever, call me this. Go tell my people that this is my name. I am, right? But they were afraid to do that. So even today, if you go to a Jewish synagogue, they will not pronounce this word in the Hebrew. And in the Hebrew it was written, it just had consonants. So these scribes went back 600 years after Jesus died, and they added back in some vowels between those consonants. But they used the vowels from a different word, Adonai, which is the capital L, lowercase o-r-d, which is a title, Lord King, right? Something like that. But they added those vowels so that whenever somebody would read the Hebrew, they would pronounce a different word and not say God's name because it was too holy to say. So this, was, for a long time, people thought that's how you pronounced it, but it's probably a mispronunciation, Jehovah or Yehovah. Now that we've studied it a little bit more, we think, not that I've studied it, Hebrew scholars have studied it. Now that they have studied it, they think a better pronunciation is this word, Yahweh. This one's fine, but it's probably a mispronunciation. It's okay. The point is, is that when we say this, we're saying God's name, Yahweh. He said, this is the name you should know me by forever. So whenever you see that capital L, capital O, capital R, capital B in the Bible, that's what it's saying, God's name. So you see this in verse 15. God also said to Moses, say to the Israelites, Yahweh, the God of your fathers, has sent me to you. This is my name forever, the name you shall call me from generation to generation. Whenever you see that, I want you to think Yahweh. God is wanting to say, me, I want you to know me. He's saying, I don't want titles anymore. You don't have to call me sir. You don't have to say doctor or mister or ma'am, you know. Nobody likes those. He's saying we could be on a first name basis. It's fine if you want to show reverence and respect that you still use those titles. That's awesome. But God says, you can call me by my first name, by my nickname even. I want to be friends. I want you to know who I am. Theologians will tell us that when God did this here and revealed his name to Moses, this was unprecedented. And this was really an act of intimacy. God is revealing who he is to Moses, to his people, and to us, his people. God wants us to know him. And that's what he's doing here. He's saying, I want you to know me. This is my name forever. Call me that. We're on a first name basis now. You, cannot, you can know me. 
I'm not just a person to be worshipped, but I'm a person to be known. That's what the God of heaven is saying to us. This is amazing. We can know the God of the universe. He doesn't have to just be out there and other and distant, someone who just maybe created the world but is not really involved in our lives. No, God wants to be involved. He wants us to know Him. We can know the God who knows us. That God who knows everything, who has all power and is holy and is the flaming fire of a bush that isn't really burning but is burning. He is that God and He says, I want you to know me personally. You know, I think that's that name I am. That's one of the reasons why God showed up as a burning bush that wasn't really burning. Because God is showing through that, I don't need fuel. I don't even need oxygen to burn because I created them. In fact, in me, you live, move, and have your being. I'm the source of your oxygen. You know, scientists tell us that maybe 14, 15 billion years ago, all the universe came into existence. Well, how did it, where did it come from? There had to be an uncaused first cause, right? That's who God is. He is. I am, he's saying. And that's the God who wants us to know him. And he wants us to know him personally. Not just learning these different aspects of theology that we're going to study in this series, but to know him personally. He says, I, I want to have this relationship with you. I want to be on a first name basis with you. And talk to me. And share things with me. I already know it. Because I love you. And he wants us to no longer have second hand God. We need to know him for ourselves, not just know about him. Because it's way better in person. We know this. We know that you can read about the constellations on Wikipedia, but it's another thing to lay up and look up at the night sky and see the stars. Seeing is different than reading, right? We know that you can study the cuts of meat, but it's a whole other thing to taste the strip of bacon. Right? We know it's one thing to hear about the mountains, but it's another thing to climb up into the Rocky Mountains, look out at the view, and take in the grandeur of it all. Second hand is okay, but first hand is where it's at. That's, I think, why even David would write years later, Taste and see that the Lord is good. Don't just think about, don't just have knowledge about it in your head. Taste and see, use your senses, because God is that real and he wants to be known to you. He wants you to encounter him firsthand. And he wants to learn, you to learn more about him and get to know him more, because as you get to know a person, just like in our own lives, just like in my marriage with Melissa, even after almost 10 years, I'm still learning things about her. I'm getting to know her better. That's what happens in a relationship. Like, oh, I've never heard that. I never thought about it. Oh, wow, you do something new. Even after 30, 40 years of marriage, people are still finding new things out about their spouse. So we could spend a lifetime and should spend a lifetime and more getting to know our God personally. A lot of us stop so quickly. Oh, I like the God of love. Yeah, great. God is love. But there's so much more about him. He has many aspects of his character. And if you're thinking, well, well Matt, I don't really understand that. How could God be the God of love but also send people hell? That doesn't make sense. How could he have judgment and holiness? It doesn't make sense. How could God be a trinity? I don't understand it. Well, here's the thing. If God were easy to understand, he wouldn't be God. It shouldn't just take you one message or one lifetime even to find out all the things there are about God. So in this series, we're going to learn more and more about him, and I hope that you will have this firsthand encounter with him to get to know him because he wants the relationship with you. He wants to be known by you just as he knows you. So I want to challenge you to do that. Seek after that. Maybe that is your resolution this year. Know God. 
Know God more deeply, more intimately. In this 21 days of prayer, maybe you can call out to him, God, I want to know you more. Show me in your word. Show me in an encounter. I want you to keep your eyes peeled for your burning bush. There's only one burning bush. We know that. But God shows up, and in our encounters, you'll see that there's a bizarre bunch of different ways that God shows up. Everyone is unique. I, I think as even in the Chronicles of Narnia, C.S. Lewis writes, there's, there's no second way to get into Narnia. It's a different way every time, right? So those of you who like the book, there's a different way to encounter God. And some of you ha- have had dreams or visions or encounters or through a person or here in church or in worship service. Maybe even this morning you're having an encounter with God. You're feeling something. Wow, there's something different about this. Why is God speaking to me? I'm, I don't know what this is. Some of you had those encounters you're even afraid to tell other people about. It's bizarre. You don't want to hear about it. It's crazy, uh, you know. But whenever you have those encounters, realize that God is real. And he shows up in all these different ways. Because he is real and he wants you to know him firsthand. So seek after him. One of the interesting things about this passage that we've looked at today in Exodus chapter 3 is that God is revealing something new about himself. Did you know that? This is the first time he's ever given his name in human history. Later on in Exodus chapter 6, it says that then God spoke to Moses telling him, I am Yahweh. I appeared to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob as God Almighty, but did not reveal my name Yahweh to them. He's saying in the past, even Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, Joseph, they didn't know my name. They knew me as God Almighty, this, this great being out there. But now I'm revealing a little bit more about myself. Because this is the way God works. He is progressive in his revelation. He shows more and more of himself to us. And we know that throughout the Old Testament, you learn more and more about God. And we'll see that throughout our series. But then God fully revealed himself. Not just his name. But he came as a person to live and walk among us. The holy God of the universe, who is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, everything is dependent on him for existence. He comes down to walk among us. And he doesn't just say, hey, stop no further, you know, you've got to take off your sandals. No, 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 he bent down and took off his disciples' sandals and washed their dirty, grimy feet. He revealed himself to us, his fullness of love in the person of Jesus Christ. And what's amazing is that in John, Jesus at one point said, Very truly I tell you, before Abraham was born, I am. At this, they picked up stones to stone him. Do you know why? This is God's name. This is Yahweh. And Jesus is saying, He is Yahweh. He is the God of the universe. Come down to walk among us. And the religious leaders were terrified. They were freaking out. How could you claim to be God, a mere man? But Jesus said, I'll do one better. And he died for us. On the cross. To show us how much that God loves us. Knowing all our past baggage and sin and pain. He dies on the cross for us. Fully revealing himself. And we can know that God through Jesus Christ. I want to challenge you to keep your eyes peeled for your burning bush. Whatever it is. I want you to wake up every morning asking God to reveal himself to you today. I want you to seek him in your words. Seek him in this series as you come back week after week. Or listen if, online if you can't make it on a Sunday. 
I want you to grow in your knowledge of God. I want you to know the God who knows you. And for some of you, maybe today is your first encounter. And the prayer team, myself, some of the staff will be in the back. We want to pray with you. We want you to know this God personally through Jesus Christ who saves you from your sins. Because God, when you meet him, changes you forever. Do you know who uh, Pascal is? I, I didn't, this is my best story. I didn't even tell the first service. You guys are lucky today. I forgot. The band, you guys can come up. Um, Blaise Pascal, have you heard of him? Brilliant philosopher and mathematician. You'll learn about him if you study mathematics. What's really interesting about his life, if you look at it, is that he wrote all sorts of mathematics and philosophy, but then there's this weird point in his, um, in his teaching and writing that he starts writing about God. He writes about theology and apologetics and about who God is. And it wasn't until after he died that people kind of figured out what had happened to him. You see, when he died, one of his um, co-workers looked inside of his suit coat. And inside, he had sewed inside the coat this letter that he had written to himself. And it was part of his journal, basically. And this is what it said. I want you to read this with me. The year of grace, 1654. Monday, the 23rd of November, from about half past ten at night until about half past midnight. Fire! God of Abraham, God of Isaac, God of Jacob, not of the philosophers and scholars. Certitude, certitude, feeling, joy, peace. Joy, 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 tears of joy. He sowed that on him so he would not forget his encounter that he had that night. If you have encountered God, I do not want you to forget about it. When you have your encounter, maybe over the next 21 days, I want you to write it down. Don't forget it. Don't write it off and say, maybe I had one too many drinks. No. God wants you to know him. He is real and he wants to reveal himself to you. For you to grow in knowledge of him. And I want to encourage you to seek after him. So would you just uh, bow your heads with me and close your eyes? Some of you in here, maybe for the first time, want to know God because God made a way for you to know Him and not just have to stay at a distance, but when Jesus died on the cross, He forgave you of all your past and all your sins so that you could come close to Him. So I want you to accept that gift this morning. With everybody's eyes um, closed and your heads bowed, if you want to accept Jesus Christ and know God personally for the first time, would you please raise your hand? There's anyone here? Awesome. I'm going to lead you in a prayer and, and we're all going to say this prayer together even if you already are a believer but we're going to say this prayer for you a uh, few people you, you guys who want to accept Christ today for the first time um, so would you please repeat after me God thank you for revealing yourself thank you for telling me your name I want to know you I ask that you would forgive me because I am a sinner. Would you give me your spirit to help me follow you, to help me serve you all the days of my life? Thank you for your salvation. Amen. Lord God, we just love you so much. Um, Lord, we thank you for those who made the decision today to accept you as their Lord and Savior, Lord. What we, we rejoice 
with the angels. And Lord God, we pray that we would all come to know you more truly, more deeply, not just this morning, not just this year, but throughout our lifetime and forever. I pray, Lord God, and thank you for revealing yourself to us as the great I am, Yahweh. Lord, we love you and want to know you more. Amen.